The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. And we are live to tape to the W2M Network for the kickoff, Season 2, Episode 3 of Actual Football Edition. Good evening, afternoon, whenever you're listening, everybody. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining me, as per usual, the gang's all here once again. That's four weeks in a row, guys. We might want to be careful. We might become an actual podcast at this rate. The well, I, I mean, let, let, let's not count our chickens just yet. <laughs> the Downsons day one co-host, Brandon Risco Bing. Did you were you about to call me Brandon Watkins? Did you just mix me and Erica? I, I did because he spoke right before I went to introduce you. He cut me off. <laughs> I, I don't know if I should take that as a co-host. Go ahead. I, I don't know if I should take that as an insult or a compliment. Be a little Leave it as the person tends. <laughs> The Down Since Day One co-host, Brandon Biscoving. Hey, hey, hey. The executive producer turned co-host, Eric Watkins. Oh, you know, there are times when you are outplayed, you are outclassed. I know when I have been defeated, so I take my introduction to say that I humbly bow to the chairman. (laughs) Well played, sir. Well played. And the aforementioned chairman of the W2 Network is Jason Teasley. <laughs> and there's much, many, many ass whoopings coming along to everybody else in that league. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I'm about to put a beating on Brandon this week, so it's nope. not going to work out. False. The, the, the real news, facts, true stories. <laughs> I don't even know who I'm playing this week. <laughs> Well, I mean, if it makes anybody else feel better, I also had to come from behind to win against Terry last week, so everything kind of works out. Yeah, you got. I'm playing Master of Honor. Whoever that is is going to get their ass kicked this week. (laughs) I just need a damn. Well, I got a trade, so I, I I got a running back finally. Hopefully, he'll be in for week three. I voted against it. How dare I just you? Get the waiver wire like the rest of us. I tried. I, I tried to, but someone stole my running back. Who was your running back? The running back I was trying to pick was the uh, top uh, rushing running back this week, out from San Francisco. One Matt Brightus, Brida, excuse me. Mm. I would think Alfred Morris would be the guy getting the carries out in San Francisco, but what do I know? <laughs> Apparently not. Regardless, yes, regardless, as it turns out here, let's go ahead and get into uh, the show as we uh, continue with our... I'm off to a fabulous start. It's It's been a long day. <laughs> it's time for Studs and Duds, gentlemen. Eric, you kick us off. You know... For my stud, he was brought into a situation 
to win certain kinds of games. He was paid to win certain kinds of games. He put on a performance to win the specific certain type of game. He didn't, but it was not his fault. With 425 yards passing, four touchdowns, and one interception, my stud, for once, is one Kirk Cousins. How about it? I, I still don't like it all that much, but just a little bit. I, I, I'm starting to like it. Yeah, but at the same time, with those stats that you talked about Cousins putting up, the best he could pull was a tie. Mm-hmm. Again, not his fault. He doesn't kick. Apparently yeah, we'll talk, about, well, yeah, we'll talk about him in a little bit. Trust me, we're getting to him, I assure you. Brandon, who's your stud for the week? My stud, he was um, supposed to be a backup. Um, the starter to this uh, certain team did something very stupid and got himself suspended. And now said starter is probably looking to be a bench warmer for the rest of the season if his if his backup continues to play the way he has been for the first two weeks. That would be one I, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think it's hilarious that you think Jameis Winston still has a job. Oh well, th- Did you no, no, no. If it's magic. <laughs> No, that's what I'm saying. That, that's what I'm saying. He's going to be a bench warmer for the rest of the season if this run of uh, games continues for Fitzmagic. Oh, no, I'm not saying he's going to be a bench warmer. I'm saying they're going to cut his ass. Oh, no. I don't think they'll go quite that far. The, the organization is still committed to him, but so far, if the Fitzmagic continues, Dirk Cutter will keep his job as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are the sole leaders of the NFC South right now at 2-0. and Oh, I know. You be- can you believe we're saying those words, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 2-0? <laughs> it's shocking. So that's, like getting a, that's like winning a gold medal at the Special Olympics. Oh, Jesus. Being 2-0 and in, in that division. That okay. division's actually well, good. Me, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, let me phrase this a better way, then. The entire state of Florida is undefeated in the NFL. Done. Now that's a scary thought. Uh, that that's that's a better way to put it. <laughs> every every part of me hates that that statement is true. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, who's your stud for the week? I just got a question, Harry. Do you know what time it is? Oh, Jesus. I said, do you know what time it is? Because I was a doubter. I had to get my watch adjusted. It now sets. It is Patrick Mahomes' time. <laughs> Ten never... touchdowns, zero interceptions, 582 yards passing. And it's for the Chiefs. You're never going to get Chiefs. away from it, Harry, now. So, right, I'm so stay for with a big shout-out, with a good shout-out, to to Robert, Taylor, it is Mahomes' time. It is Mahomes' time, Harry. Harry is officially okay. Mahomes' time. Okay, I'm going to point out that Alex Smith started just as well last year, and the Chiefs still finished ten and six. But you know what? Alex Alex Smith wasn't Mahomes. Mahomes is Mahomes, not Alex Smith. Alex, well, Alex Smith, 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 Washington. 
and is doing absolutely nothing. But it's yeah, Alex, Alex Smith is too busy proving me correct in Washington after they got their butts kicked by Indianapolis this past week. Are you serious? Yes, I was. Okay, so I'm going to be the lone descending voice here. I'm going to go to the world of college football for my are you serious for my uh, stud for the week. I've got my mind on are you serious now. I'm going to the world of college football for my stats of the week. Uh, Eric. Yes? Do you remember when I asked you last week if we thought that UCLA could get to five wins and you said yes? Yes. I, I, I distinctly remember those words. Well, they played Fresno State this past weekend, and they got their butts handed to them 38-14. Yeah, I heard about that. I... Fresno State. Fresno State scored five touchdowns and then kicked a field goal. Five times six is 30, plus the extra points is 35, plus three is 38. There you go. They're playing 14 freshmen. Stranger things have happened. Let me get to my stud here real quick, and then we can debate the merits of Chip Kelly's job security. Of those five touchdowns for Fresno State... Four of them on the ground, one of them through the air, all of them by my stud, Marcus McMarion, the quarterback for Fresno State Bulldogs. Again, again, freshmen, lots and lots of freshmen. Chip Kelly will will be okay. It's going to be rough. But Chip Kelly will be okay. Besides, it's not like USC is doing any better. Dogs recognize his dogs. That's all I'm saying to that owl in the background. You can thank my you can thank my Siberian Husky for that. Yeah, that that's actually not my dog for once. Oh, Jason, tell your dog he's not allowed in on the podcast. <laughs> Too busy having to tell Brandon. I'm trying to tell that. my I'm trying to tell my wife and daughter to shut the hell up, and they're two rooms away. Eric Dud hit me. As a kicker, As you kicker. have one job. One job! There's various aspects of that one job, but let's face it, one job to kick in a certain direction consistently, accurately, as much as you possibly can. When you are kicking for the purpose of scoring points, that direction is in between two very, very tall yellow posts and above a similarly very yellow crossbar. Well, down in New Orleans, that wasn't entirely the case. No matter alleged injury, no matter really what the excuse, if you do something wrong and you cannot make that target multiple times, that is a problem. My dud, the newly free agent kicker, Zane Gonzalez. Really, one job, one. All right, I'm going to point out that he did have a potentially partially torn groin. And speaking as a guy, anything related to a groin injury just sounds unfortunate as all hell. But again, if you have a potentially partially torn groin, why kick in the first place? You know, he has a point. <laughs> Brandon, I mean, go. Oh, go ahead, Eric, and finish your thought then. I'm sorry. Can, can we see the Rams here? Greg Zerline was hurt, and he's like, you know what? I can't kick. What did Sean McVay do? Okay, 
we're going to go for two. And on the cases of short field goals, we're going to bring in our punter to do it. Problem solved. Brandon didn't continue beating on the kickers. Well, what was that kicker's name again, Get, uh, Eric? Zane Gonzalez. I will see your game, Zane Gonzalez, and raise you a Carlson. Because not only a did... Carlson. What? A Daniel Carlson. Yeah, Daniel Carlson. Not only did he miss two field goals, but yes, Zane missed them in crunch time in the fourth quarter. But this is even worse because it's in overtime. One field goal can win the game for you outright. And he misses them twice. That is all. This has been a bad week for kickers. Hey, at least that team actually, you know, got halfway in the win column. Ties well, don't I mean, count. Technically Zane, Col- technically, Zane Gonzalez got Cleveland halfway into the win column against Pittsburgh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although the Vikings look to be staying close tonight. <laughs> yeah, halfway into the win column and then snatched them right out of the L or right out of the W column all by his damn self. <laughs> Jason, are you going to beat up on a kicker as well? No, I'm going I'm to break my own heart. And my dads are the... I just got drop kicked by a boxer. I'm sorry. Um, oh shit! Right to the nuts. That hurt. Uh, now you know how Zane Gonzalez feels. <laughs> <laughs> no, but well, I'm pretty sure that Eli felt just like like I did because my dads are the offensive line of the New York Football Giants. Our beloved Giants offensive line sucks. Donkey cock. Um, and if anybody has seen the meme of Eli's face, the Manning face of, yeah, I got to do, you, do you mean I got four, four, 14 more weeks of this? Yeah, that kind of sums it up because our O-line was horrendous against Dallas. We played halfway decent against a nice front line of Jacksonville. We, we showed promise. I was hopeful we could mm-hmm. go up against Dallas. And there is Swiss cheese as offensive line. Yes, we did lose our starting center for the year. It hurt. But, I mean, this offensive line was, I'm pretty sure the Little Giants was out there instead of the Football Giants. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Icebox, they had the Icebox out there trying to play right tackle. Hey, that means they could have run the annexation of Puerto You do not disparage that name. <laughs> I, I, I have, I have, I have sent that in to be added to the Giants playbook. You do not tell our secrets. <laughs> <laughs> if, if it's any consolation, Jason, the look on Eli's face made it wonder. Wait, they're starting Geno Smith again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, couldn't help it. Too easy not to. All right, my dud for the week is the defense of the TCU Horned Frogs. So there's a big game at AT&T Stadium on Saturday this week, this past weekend. The Ohio State Buckeyes are in Dallas, Texas, Arlington, technically, I'm aware. 
to face Texas Christian. A little bit of a redemption game for TCU against Ohio State as well on the basis of their last BCS meeting when the Buckeyes put it on them. Well, at halftime, you're distracting me, Jason. At halftime, Texas Christian led 14-13, to 13, and all was well in Texas. That is until the TCU defense imploded in the second half and allowed 27 points on its way to a 40-28 to 28 loss. Uh, Horn Frogs, Oklahoma beat these same Buckeyes last year, and they did it when Urban Meyer was the coach. What's your excuse? <laughs> they Especially done, they- after having a halftime lead. That they took a $5 million buyout and not actually have the game at home? Mm. Well, but this could be counted as a home game for TCU, really. In theory, yes. I really am interested to see how that goes. Because if I'm TCU, I want the biggest home field advantage possible. Especially playing a team from the Big Ten, such as Ohio State. Not, not to mention the number four ranked team in the country. Exactly. You're going to want to take all the advantages you can get if you're TCU. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we'll be talking a little bit more about the Horned Frogs a little bit later on in the show. Dun, dun, dun. Dramatic reverb. <laughs> Thank you. I was waiting for that before going. <laughs> so, that happened. You know, we kind of briefly touched on this about the game when we were discussing Daniel Carlson during Studs and Duds here, but I think this game bears mentioning again in this particular segment just because me and Eric were talking about this on Sunday inside of the football chat, and we were trying to figure out until we were finally told by the announcer on the late game on CBS. I believe it was uh, Jim Nance that mentioned the fact that it was 1971. Bill Cower, because they threw it to the studio. Ah, okay. Thank you. So, what I'm basically trying to open up, so that happened with this, for the first time since 1971, an NFL season has started with ties in back-to-back weeks. And it is the first time since 2016 that a season has had more than one game finishing a tie. I know that doesn't sound like that far ago, but at the same time, you have to consider before 2016, the last time that it happened, was back in the 90s. Yeah, this is only the third season since 1986 that has had multiple ties, period. And they have occurred within the first two weeks of the season. Pittsburgh at Cleveland, 21-21. Green Bay at Minnesota, 29-29. The interesting Mm, question... All the way around, that was at Lambeau. Oh, that was at Lambeau? I apologize. Yep. The, the interesting question is, um, does anyone know what the record is for most ties in a season? Four. Four? Yeah. Well, well we're halfway there, and it's only week two. Oh, I, I thought you like knew the answer. I just no, no, I didn't. With my- no. Oh, no, no, no. There have been seasons. Now, granted, since the NFL instituted overtime in the regular season back in 74 there's oh this is only multiple instances where there's even been two ties but if you're going to the pre-regular season overtime era 
there's been seasons where there's been more than 10. Well, of course, but I would think only in, I would only consider it in the modern era. So they could, in theory, break the record of the modern era this year. Yeah. They could. All right, we'll look it up real quick. You know what I feel? Uh, this is kind of the reason I bring this up and so that happened here. Um, six. Speaking, six this is the most Technically speaking, this could have ended up in buy or sell, but I have a different question for that. Uh, buy or sell, gentlemen, and this is kind of an extra buy or sell question here. Buy or sell that, that either the overtime period needs to be longer or we need sudden death in the regular season. Well, isn't it already uh, sudden death? No, I no. mean that they play until somebody wins. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, it, it, they need to play till somebody wins. I mean... That's my philosophy. Ties are like kissing your sister, and I've kissed my sister, and it was like Katie Vick. Um, but look, not everybody lives in West Virginia, Jason. Okay. <laughs> yeah, really. I, I, well, have to if I, I had a if I had a sister, you know, I had a sister once. I was supposed to be a twin. Only I was born. This just took a dark turn. Yeah, it did. Hmm. Oh, okay. Well, I'm officially disabled for the moment. <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and get back to the topic at hand, shall we? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's not go down that dark road. Brandon, your thoughts on uh, your thoughts on playing for a winner in regular season football as they do in the playoff? Um, I understand why they only have it to where, um, you know, they just play one quarter. Um, most of the time, one quarter uh, is enough to for them to uh, get a winner of some sort, especially with how the rules are where only the first team that possesses it must score a touchdown. Um, then beyond there, you can just kick a field goal. So, personally, I'm okay with the rule the way it is. Because, especially, I mean, think about it this way, and even though it did end up becoming a tie, it very well could have been a big, you know, decisive moment for a team to get a win in this game. But, like, 75% of the country missed it because as soon as the Dallas game started, they jumped, or was it Dallas last week in the 4 o'clock slot? No, it was, yeah, was in the Giants for Sunday Night Football. No, it was New England. It was uh, New England and uh, Jacksonville. Um, they have by, by NFL law, they cannot air a game past the four twenty five window. Yeah, so most of the country were on New England Jacksonville by the time that game ended. So I understand from a logistical level um, why they don't have uh, multiple overtime periods. So I'm okay with the rule. I think this year is just an anomaly, um, but you know we'll we'll see where it goes from here. I just feel like a team that has a tie in the regular season has kind of a decided advantage when it comes to postseason tiebreakers at the end of the year. Do they not, Eric? Actually, yes, especially when it comes to NFC teams. If you look at the recent track record going back all the way to 2002, Almost every NFC team in particular that has tied or during that regular season has not only gone to the playoffs, but 
all except for one who went to the playoffs won a playoff game. Not every every single team has done that, though. No, not every team, but almost. There have been just, I believe, one or two exceptions as far as not going to the playoffs. And for not going, for those that went to the playoffs, only one exception of those that they did not win a playoff game. The exception for not going to the playoffs that I can think of off the top of my head immediately is the 2016 Washington team, which on the last week of the regular season, regular season playing a Giants team that had already clinched the division, laid a colossal egg and they lost their playoff spot to Detroit. Mm-hmm. That was the one where they tied in London. Yes, correct. Fitting that it would be in London since they're so used to ties. Especially at Wembley. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to open up the floor for the second So That Happened topic. Uh, gentlemen, anybody have anything that they would like to bring to the table here? We'll talk about the Colorado mascot in a second. Don't worry. <laughs> We're getting to well, that because I have a contest for that. Well, I mean, I, w- I want to go go into this. I mean, this is going to tie into my pour one out for a homer. Since I don't have a, anything to pour one out for this week, I'm going to go with So That Happened. So... This happened. The Heisman race, who was being led by WVU's own Will Greer, somehow magically gets penalized for a natural disaster that cancels a ball game. I'm just curious. How do you penalize someone due to the natural disaster? If you guys have an answer... Please enlighten me. I'll, I'll tell you exactly the answer. Um, and it has nothing to do with West Virginia. They, the, the Heisman Committee and everyone involved in college football just finds any sort of excuse to push an Alabama person. Well, I, I, I'm going to disagree slightly because... The Heisman Committee in particular, you look at the voters, they're obviously going to stay more true to their alma mater. But remember, Heisman Trophy voting is also done by regions. If you have more exposure in, say, the southern region, mm-hmm. like Alabama, everybody in the south where you see the concentration of good teams, they're going to vote for that potential candidate. And unfortunately... That not having exposure, that is going to penalize you because, well, you're not seen within your region, let alone nationally. I mean, that's the same reason why um, Christian McCaffrey thought he was snubbed a couple of years ago. Yeah, he was the favorite out west. He won that western region handily, but unfortunately, with the further concentration in the south, etc., etc., the West region, it's lost a weight. The issue with having the separate regions for the Heisman, though, is that exact reason. You're kind of a West Coast bias against people that play out there. Mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey a couple of years ago, and I think specifically this year, it might screw Bryce Love out of Stanford. Mm-hmm. Easily. Easily. I just think that it, the regions need to be disbanded. Oh, definitely. You need to have you, you need to have a legit standard Heisman voting committee, not 
Because, I mean, you could go back and say uh, all the West Coast teams are going to vote for a West Coast guy. And then, you know, not a lot of people on the East Coast gets exposed to that West Coast game unless it's a major East Coast matchup. So you are at a disadvantage if you play on the, the West Coast. Not only and, that, but on a national level in terms of the fans and I guess even to an extent the voters, even though it, since it is their job to vote for the Heisman, you would think that they'd be watching all the games. The fact that the West Coast games start at 10 o'clock Eastern time and end normally past midnight, a lot of people don't stay up that late. Yeah, and, and the fact that the SEC, there's, there's a dramatic, and if anybody denies this, I'll punch you in your throat. <laughs> you cannot deny that there is a tremendous SEC bias oh, among college football voters. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I casually disagree with that sentiment. Well, you're biased because you're an SEC guy. Exactly my point, SEC biased. <laughs> I, I, I am in smack dab the heart of SEC territory. As am and, I. Yeah, I have to agree because, again, as the talent, as the football population, high school, college, etc., has over the past generation or so migrated from the Midwest and Big Ten territory down to the Southeastern SEC territory, SEC better talent, SEC better schools. So even in down seasons, the SEC is always going to get that boost because who winds up being on top? SEC teams. Mm-hmm. So this is happening. Breaking news. Tyrod Taylor Injured on tonight's Thursday night football game. Oh, wow. The universal line for Baker Mayfield after all. The one time the Browns are on national TV in a standalone, he has to come in. I'm telling you, you can't mess with fate. I just figured I'd throw that out there. I'm sure you and you and Sean will discuss this more on Football to the Max after the game, Eric. Oh, yeah. And if anybody bets... <laughs> Under in that game, kudos to you. You might be sitting on a winner. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. All right, let's move on. So that happened. Apparently, nobody showed the University of Colorado mascot how to use the T-shirt cannon. Well, I guess <laughs> technically it would be a technically it would be an air gun, but just regardless. So here's what we're going to do, gentlemen. We're going to have ourselves a quick contest here. Best joke wins. For those of you who don't know. The Buffalo mascot for the University of Colorado while they were playing New Hampshire, an FCS school, tried to set off the T-shirt gun to shoot a shirt into the crowd. Unfortunately for said mascot, he his aim was a little south of the border. And he ended up shooting himself square in the huevos with the T-shirt gun. I will give you guys a chance to think of a joke. I will go ahead and lead with mine. You ready? Yep. Yes. Eric? Ready. What has two hooves and is in a lot of pain? What has two hooves and is in a lot of pain? I'll go next. 
Okay. Stepped on, Eric stepped on my joke. Oh, the the cheerleader right before that the cheerleaders went G O N A D S go Nats. It's a good one. Okay, that's actually, that's actually uh, pretty good. I'll I'll, I'll go. I uh, apparently the uh, Colorado mascot isn't much of a Buffalo soldier. Look, don't you all have days where you mix up the t-shirt cannon and the penis pump? Give the guy some slack. <laughs> I'm saying Jason. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I got to so that happened. All right, well, make it quick because we got to move on. All right, this is about the halfway point. Well, just for that, since it's the halfway point, I just can't do this anymore. I'm just tired of being on a losing team, and and it's halftime, and, and I just can't do this anymore. I'm going to go ahead and retire from podcasting. I was saving that for pour one out for the homers, but there you go. You know what? I don't even care that Vontae Davis retired. I really don't. I Did he retired. actually retire, or was that like... Is he no, getting? He, he, legit, he, he retired at halftime of the game, yes, so he's done. Got up and left the stadium, and he released a statement saying he was done. He was like, "No, nah, well, this isn't the way I imagine retiring, but hey, it is what it is." Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let's go ahead and discuss this because we kind of have to now since he brought it up here. I was going to save this out for pour one out for the homers, but I guess since he brought it up right now. Um, do you guys feel that he owes it to his teammates to at least finish the game? Like, I'm not mad that he retired if he would have retired after the game. If Vontae Davis wanted to walk away from this absolute dumpster fire of a football team, I would not blame him. But do you think doing so at halftime is the wrong thing to do because of the way that it might psychologically affect his teammates? Now, granted, they played better in the second half without him. We actually outscored the Chargers 14-7 to in the second half. In the, if you're thinking about it on in terms of you know a team sport and all that when it comes to his teammates, yes. But I mean, this is Vontae Davis we're talking about. He did this mm-hmm. to make an impact and to do something different and to keep his name relevant, even though his team sucked. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's bad enough that in six quarters of football. You are outscored, wait, let me do the math right, 71 to 13, no, 71 to 10? Your math sucks, Eric. Oh, (laughs) three quarters, okay. You're good. Yeah, yeah, going up to halftime of that uh, game on Sunday. Yeah, I I, I can see what you 71 to 9, but nice try. (laughs) <laughs> hey, hey, I was trying to be nice and give the Bills an extra point on, no you know, whatever. But my point is this. I get to where you're very frustrated, especially when you might have been on the fence about even going through the motions of this full season. But no, you tell the team, you take off your pads, you go in street clothes, you tell everybody, you know what, this isn't working, I'm just done. You sit and you try to be the best teammate you can for that half hour. But 
apparently he decided he didn't want to do that. Yes, he owes the team. Yes, it would have been the right thing to do. So I get it, but it was a stupid way to do it. Headline grabbing, but stupid. Eric, that's where I'm coming from here because my thought process to this is I don't care that Vontae Davis retired. I wish him nothing but the best. He had a long career when he was with the Indianapolis Colts. And him coming to Buffalo was kind of a surprise to a lot of NFL insiders anyways because most people thought Davis was done after last season anyway. That being said, you don't quit on your team in the middle of the game. No. You so, go out so there. I want to apologize. You Quitting on my out. team in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, it's, if you feel any better, Jason, the Heisman voters quit on your quarterback. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the NFL NFL quit on your team, so. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, most of the fan base is at this moment as well, so it's nothing new. <laughs> Don't worry, me and Brandon's in the same boat. Yeah, really. That's that little statistic that came up, that graph that they showed, the nine winless teams and both of our teams are on it. That kind of sucks. Yeah, yeah, it does. And 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 then uh, Eric's over there on the other end. Yeah, Eric can suck it. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move on here because we have a whole lot of show to get to and not a whole lot of time to get to it because we do have other obligations. Um, I'm going to need, uh, okay, actually, I don't need a few seconds here. I'm ready to go. Brandon, you get first call on the, uh, on the buy or sell for this week. So do you want college, the NFL, or the next question? NFL. Well, thankfully, I, I remember the NFL one off the top of my head from when I posted it in the group chat, so that makes my life easier. Buy or sell. We as fans put too much pressure on NFL kickers in general. Um, I would buy that to an extent, um... The kind the, the the irony of the kicker is that no one thinks about them and no one focuses on them when they're doing what they're supposed to do. But then when they screw up, they become the headlines and they become a big problem. So it, it's one of those. It's a bad comparison to an extent, but it's actually kind of a fitting one at the same time. I would compare kickers to refs, where when they're doing the job the way they're supposed to be doing it, no one bats an eye. No one thinks about them. No one, you know, hardly anyone, unless you're a hardcore, you know, fan of that sport, um, even knows their names. But when they do a bad job, when they screw up, then everyone knows who they are. Eric? Kickers suck. <laughs> okay, Jason. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to buy this a little bit, but I'm going to kind of disagree with Brandon to an extent. To me, refs are the same boat as offensive linemen up until about two years ago. Because you're right. When you do do your job right, you're pretty much non-existent. When you do your job wrong... Everybody and their mother knows your name. But with kickers, it's different. If you do your job right at the right time, yes, yeah, you are considered a hero. Mm-hmm. Look at Adam Vinatieri. If you do something wrong, 
at the worst possible time, you are shamed forever. Look at Zane Gonzalez, Daniel Carson. I can go all the way back to Scott Norwood. That's just how it is. At, on the college level, I can go to that uh, Stanford kicker from the, uh, uh, which bowl was it, um, back in 2012 between Oklahoma uh, State. The, that was the soup bowl. <laughs> yes. Or, you know, with Florida State kickers, wide right, mm-hmm. wide right again, wide Or, or on the Bills end, Scott Norwood. Yeah, I said Scott Norwood. Scott Norwood. <laughs> So they're really on their own island just like that. I think that's where the pressure comes from. I don't think it is. Well, I think it's too much, but not as over the top as we think, because they're the one position that would really decide games and what we talk about even more than a dropped pass or even a fumble. A lot of times when it comes down to a kick, everybody just stops what they're doing and zooms in. Doesn't always happen in other cases. And not only that, whereas with obvious exceptions like a Hail Mary at the end of a game or whatnot, most of the time if a kicker misses, he doesn't have that opportunity to redeem himself. Right. Not everybody's like a Rolf Bernerska. Well... Do you, I want to drop a little knowledge on you guys. Do you know that kickers lead the NFL in suicide rates at 9.7%? That does not surprise no. me. Well, it surprised the hell out of me because I just made it up. <laughs> it, it honestly would not surprise me, though. <laughs> yeah, but it, they don't use guns because they tend to either go wide right or wide left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, this has gone downhill fast. We're going to have to start searching for another (laughs) (laughs) co-host. I can't do this. I'm I'm Vontae Davis, and I approve this message. Anyway. You know what? I have kind of a a historical perspective on this topic, and it's one of the reasons I brought it up, because we saw multiple cases of kickers costing teams games this weekend. But Eric actually brings up an important point with the Scott Norwood thing. For the longest time, I cursed the name of Scott Norwood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anytime somebody brought him up, I was like something along the lines of four-letter word, that guy. You can Mm -hmm. fill in the four-letter word of choice. I'm pretty sure you can figure out which one it was. Yep. And then I watched the Four Falls of Buffalo. And you see the kind of stuff that he was going through in his personal life at the time. And you see the way that even back then, though, the fan base in Buffalo still welcomed Norwood with open arms after the missed kick against the Giants in the Super Bowl that cost them the game. Wow, that's shocking. I thought he'd be a la Bill Buckner of, you know, person non grata in Buffalo. Well, he only cost them one. The other three, he had no control over. And everybody thought it was just the beginning of the dynasty when when it happened with Norwood. Fans like myself, who were young when those happened, didn't realize the amount of pressure that goes under a guy, and especially when it's a potential Super Bowl winning kick like Norwood had the opportunity to make there. 
It is as Eric said, if he would have made it, he would have been a goat in Buffalo. He would have never paid for anything else in Buffalo for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Also, Norwood, Norwood was a strong, influential figure outside of football in the Buffalo area. I think that's what saved his legacy because he was such a humanitarian off the field. Mm-hmm. So, so they didn't put – they seen his off the field and – how humble he was there, so they didn't hold that him to that high of a of a scapegoat that normal a normal person like Blair Walsh was in Minnesota mm-hmm. when he shanked that like but, twenty yarder. Oh, yeah. Like an let's not forget. Point? Let's not forget that Walsh missed an extra point in that game as well. Uh huh. But like that's that actually brings up a good point. What you said, Harry. Um, for every Scott Norwood where you thought it was the beginning of a dynasty and that was kind of, you know, obviously the other one, the other three weren't his fault, but it was kind of that beginning of the, uh, of the, you know, the dominoes falling. You have on the flip side an Adam Vinatieri who kicked that field goal to win the first Patriots Super Bowl, which began the dynasty. Yeah, just, he had that first one and then goes on and wins a couple of more mm-hmm. with it. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a case of they're either the best player on their team or they're the worst, and it mm-hmm. all comes down to one instant. Yeah, And I exactly. think that we as fans, I think that we as fans tend to over-exaggerate that, and that's where I, the question came from. A, a good analogy, a good analogy I can, I, I will put on kickers. You can do 99 good deeds, save 99 lives, but you fuck one goat, and you remember as a goat fucker and not a win- game winner. Man's got a solid point on that. One. Yeah. That, that is the truth. I mean, Scott Norwood had a but, great career, but when you mention his name, the only everyone, thing people yeah. want to talk about is the field, missed field goals. But at you the same... Feel, but I mean, the, it's... One of those things that you just gotta grow yeah. with. Yeah, but at the same time, it can also go on the flip side. I mean, I'm sure Adam Vinatieri missed a bunch of crucial field goals, maybe not necessarily in as crucial positions as in the playoffs and whatnot. But I'm sure he missed some that New England Patriots fans at the time were like, uh, "You know, we're not that big on him right now." Because he missed that field goal in in the regular season, but because he made the ones that r- truly counted, those go by the wayside. All right, let's go ahead and move on because we do have yeah. two other topics to get to here. Eric, you get the next call. Do you want college or do you want the combined question? I'll take the college question. All right, buy or sell. In order to create a equal level playing field, every Power Five conference college team should play a game in a neutral stadium against a fellow Power Five conference team. I actually like the idea not to. I'm going to just say this I'm going to buy it. I buy that idea entirely. Not just to create the level playing field, everybody gets one at least. Big doesn't have to be marquee, marquee, but at least a big time 
out-of-conference game against a Power 5 school. It would bring back or continue to bring back college football being national. Because if you think about it, where the biggest even for college kickoff games, Arlington, Texas, Orlando, Atlanta, if you have to have all of these at different neutral sites, you could have somewhat, say, in New England. You could have some in the Pacific Northwest, different places in California, the Midwest, etc. That way you regain a national exposure to what's becoming a painfully regional sport. I'd be all for it. Let me jump on this real quick because Eric just brought up a point that I would have to... This would be one of the big caveats behind having this system of every big-time team has to play another big-time team out of conference in a neutral site. It has to be truly neutral. And we do not see that right now. Like Eric just said, it's always in Orlando, Atlanta, Dallas. Where is this? SEC country. And that's why they have the monopoly on it right now. Okay, I'm going to disagree. You disagree disagree with with it all you want, but... No, I'm going to because we just saw Central Florida come up to, or not Central Florida, excuse me, South Florida come up to uh, Soldier Field and play a game in Chicago. So Chicago's well, getting those out-of-conference games as well. Well, it's not specifically, USF isn't it's not, exactly, that's not Power 5. No, that's Group of 5. Yeah. And again, Chicago gets these games outside of that one. And I believe they hosted one with Notre Dame a couple years ago. But it's but very few and far between. Exactly. You need to have it in a truly neutral site where the the distance of travel for both fan bases is about equal. So that there is no there is no chance of a home field advantage. And also on top of that, you have to look into alumni areas because even if say you stick, you know, I, I don't know, you know, throw a random, you know, top, you know, throw Ohio State and Alabama into, you know, MetLife. I don't know what the the situation in terms of alumni of each are in the New York Tri-State area if, it's new, if it truly is neutral or you would still get a bias one way or the other. I mean, well, I mean, that's like, like that. West really? Virginia... West Virginia plays played Maryland at FedEx, which was pretty as a neutral site. Yeah, that's had, neutral. It, no. it was pretty, and and it was pretty pretty balanced on mm. fan base. Exactly uh, because that works and, because they're both and, the same. And, and then they played Tennessee down in um, Charlotte, fairly. But then a few years ago, West Virginia plays Alabama in the Georgia Dome. Yeah, that was that, kind of. That, the, I that's mean, a way what, shorter trip. Even the Tennessee one, it's much shorter to get to Charlotte from Tennessee than it is from West well, Virginia. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, West Virginia is known for its fans traveling. I mean, mm-hmm. it's one of the top. It's one of the top schools that their fan base does travel. I mean, WVU has one of the best traveling fan bases mm-hmm. statistically. 
And I mean, you, even though we had to play in Alabama's backyard, I mean, we were still well represented, but if you're going to have these games, I, I, I agree. It needs to be a balanced uh, playing field. You don't need to have like Alabama playing people at the Georgia Dome or like, uh, you know, a Texas team or Oklahoma or someone playing uh, East Coast team at Jerry World, you know, or USC or UCLA, USC playing, you know, trying to claim that the Rose Bowl or Coliseum or whatever is, you know, a neutral field when it's like or, right or once uh, the new uh, Inglewood Stadium is built. Oh, yeah. yeah. Any, and, and the one thing I'll say, fan bases, yes. You really can't necessarily count alumni because those alumni will be part of the fan base and they will travel regardless. Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing. But other than that, well, I yeah. just Well, me- I just mentioned that because in the Northeast, we don't really care about college athletics until we actually go there. Exactly. As they even say, Syracuse. Well, how's that working for you? <laughs> well, I mean, I just think I think if you need to like you know ba- have a have a balance of power when it comes to scheduling these games. Don't be don't schedule if you're going to schedule Alabama to in a big game. Don't schedule them at the Georgia Dome. Schedule them at like you know there's plenty of nice stadiums. Schedule them at Lucas Oil. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a beautiful stadium. Well, but then, uh, but to be fair, yeah, that if they're playing the against world. a Big Ten team, that plays the same factor in the reverse way. Well, don't don't schedule them against a Big Ten team. There, yeah. schedule them against a schedule, or you know, schedule somebody to play at Arrowhead, mm-hmm. like Alabama playing UCLA at Arrowhead. Yeah, I mean, something like that. I mean, just just try to have some actual neutrality, not a bias, because mm-hmm. there is a difference. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> All right, next question. All right, Jason, you get to start our final question. Are you ready? I am ready as I'll ever be. Okay, so this is a mixed question here. With the amount of high-scoring games that we've seen in the NFL recently, buy or sell that too much has been done to promote offense on both the professional and collegiate levels? I mean – that's all you promote is offense. You don't promote defense at all. I mean, it's like the it's like everybody took the Big Twelve model and said, "Here, let's do this. We have high powered offenses and minimal defenses." You don't see teams having a significant defense. I mean, Jacksonville and Buffalo had great defenses last year, and then they get themselves and they try to retool to a more offensive. Um, thing. I mean, the top. De- I mean, I don't even know. I without looking right off. I don't know right off the top of my head. I don't even know what the top defense in the NFL is right now. <laughs> but I could probably tell you the top three offenses. Mm-hmm. Defenses go un- overlooked. You don't have some of the great defense coordinators. You do. You don't have the influence uh, and everything on defense that you did in the past. You have a lot of um, hype around offenses and quarterbacks and running backs and receivers, skill positions, but you don't have the 
notoriety to defenses like you did. I mean, Wenzel, I mean, Khalil Mack is lighting it up right now. I mean, that Chicago defense looks solid, and Khalil Mack looks solid. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, let me just. But they, they don't they don't talk. You'll hear more about uh, Mahomes than you will Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. Let, let me just piggyback off uh, Jason real quick. A, a lot of it, unfortunately, um, is institutionalized within the NFL and to a lesser extent within college. They'll say it's because of the um, health, and it is, it is. But a lot of the rules, all, all the new rules, are also built to increase offense. And there's one, there, there's two big reasons why. And unfortunately, unless the NFL wants to, you know, go back to a more old school way of thinking, and on top of that, destroy one of the big industries that is helping them right now, nothing is going to change. Um, Look at how a lot of people, especially more casual NFL fans, thought of the Jacksonville-Pittsburgh game last year. You saw people saying, oh, this is a boring game, yada, yada, yada. Especially the more casual fans, they don't understand the nuance of defense, and they just want scoring, 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 scoring. So the NFL is saying, okay, we'll give them what they want. And on top of that, with fantasy football becoming such a big deal, most leagues unless you're in a league like my own where we actually follow real football and we know what the hell we're talking about and we like following both sides of the ball, all you get on defense is just a team. And most of your points are coming from the offensive side. So defense does not matter nearly as much as it used to or it should. And it's a very sad state of affairs in football right now when it comes to that. All right, before Eric gives his thoughts on this right here, I wanted to answer Jason's question real quickly here. The top five scoring defenses in the NFL right now are the Rams, Washington, Dallas, Miami, and Jacksonville. Hmm. Two of them happen to be 2-0 and teams. Well, three of them, really. Still like the sound of that. <laughs> Eric, your thoughts on the buy or sell of the too much has been done to promote scoring on both the collegiate and professional level? Now, see, I'm actually kind of split on this because if I'm going to consider both, I'm going to have to buy slightly. Although I'm a little bit more on the sell end for college because I've seen a lot of college football games. Do I like ones like Throwing out one of my old school favorites, BYU in San Diego State back in like 91 where they played to a 52-52 tie. Yes, I like that. Do I like games where LSU Alabama some years ago played to a 9-6? Me personally, not really. But if it's a tight game and it ends up in the teens or 20s, I'm still going to watch. The reason why I say it hasn't really been done for the college side is because offense has changed in general college, even without the rules. It's much more spread, much more explosive, 
more run and shoot, run and gun, what have you. On conferences have adapted that more, like the Big 12 and Pac-12, than others. For the NFL, though, I really think it has, and for a lot of the reasons Brandon pointed out, you have the fantasy aspect. You have the casual fan aspect. Would a casual fan appreciate the Sunday night game, Dallas and the Giants, 20-13? to 13? No, it really wouldn't. I appreciate it in some Okay, time out. Time, time out, Eric. Somebody's microphone is really messed up right now because I'm hearing a lot of scratching audio. I've been muted. All right. Brandon, did you pause this real quick? Fine. We apologize for the technical difficulties there. A little bit of audio trouble there. Eric, you were saying? Well, I was saying the fact that you've got colleges and college coaches going away from a pro-style offense and into that more spread. So the rules haven't made that much of a difference. But as for the NFL, yeah, if you have a 20-13 to 13 game like we saw on Sunday Night Football, would the casual fan watch? Probably not. Would more of the diehards watch? Yes, because you do get those nuances in the defense. But really, that shows a further disconnect between college and the NFL. As we've seen within the last couple of years, Aaron Rodgers, when he's been under center for the Packers, Hail Marys aside, they can go ahead and they light it up. When he's hurt and he's out, they are a completely different team because... They don't have the proper backups that you're getting from college. And when you don't have that style, you don't have that guy under center, you don't have those points, people aren't going to watch. So I think that they were somewhat of a necessary evil, but I think it's too much of a byproduct in creating too many track needs. Yeah, that's my biggest problem here is like as somebody who actually does value defense, and the old phrase is that defense wins championships. There's not enough of it in modern football a lot of times here. Like, it's cool every now and then to sit back and watch a game where both teams light up the scoreboard. But it is an every week occurrence in the Big 12. It is an every week occurrence in the Pac-12. Nobody plays defense in those two conferences. And people wonder why nobody takes players from those conferences seriously once they come to the major, to the major leagues. Well, There's a very specific... There's a very specific reason I thought Patrick Mahomes was going to be a failure in the NFL. Because he is a product of Texas Tech, which is in the Big 12, which is an offensive-based conference. I did not think that he would translate to the National Football League. So far, I will admit, I have been wrong. Mark this down on the record for Robert to listen to, because it is the only time I will say it. But I will admit that I have been wrong thus far. But you cannot blame me for my line of thinking when it comes to coming from those scoring happy conferences and then those players not necessarily translating to solid NFL careers. And I'll even further that point with Texas Tech. Look at Graham Harrell under that Mike Leach system, who's now the head coach of Washington State. Or under my one of my favorite systems with June Jones, Hawaii, and Colt Brennan. I do agree. Now, granted... Mahomes is under a much better coaching environment in the professional ranks than those past two quarterbacks were. But yes, it's 
completely different set of skills because you have to make a completely different set of throws at completely different times. I have another name that you can add to the Cole Brennans and the Graham Harrells. Kellen Moore, Mm -hmm. who was lighting up scoreboards at Boise State and then did next to nothing in Dallas. True. Joey Joey Harrington. I I will say, though, um, while, yes, on a league-wide effort, scoring is definitely up for various reasons, on a team-by-team level, the teams that focus on defense and and like the old adage says, they are the ones who win the Super Bowl more often than not. Yeah, you're not going to have weeks like this week to where the average quarterback rating for this week across the NFL was over 105. Yes, that is more likely nowadays, but don't expect that to happen all the time. This is just the best of the best. We're seeing the peak of it. And with this, we move on to pour one out for the homers. Jason, you have nothing for West Virginia. You kind of touched on the Giants-Dallas game in your in your uh, dud statement for the week. Do you have any other further comments on the Sunday night football game? Um, no, I mean, there, there wasn't very much good coming out of it. Um, so, I mean, I have no Homer love right now. I mean, we, would- we, we showed up like we thought we was back against Jacksonville. We come into Dallas and we just grow over. And just become submissive. So I have nothing for my homers. How how's progress coming along with the West Virginia Hoot Owls? The West Virginia Hoot Owls. I was. I'm glad you asked. Uh, we just signed a unrestricted free agent. Uh, it is. It's Riley McPherson, uh, two twenty, halfback slash fullback slash wide receiver. Slash defensive end. Yes, he plays both ways if need be. Uh, you know, because we don't have very much. We don't have a good, very good revenue here at the uh, Tootsie Pop Stadium. So, you know, sometimes our defense coordinator has to go sell popcorn to make ends meet. We understand. But we just signed him. Also, we have um, Will Greer's little brother, Top Gear, who is, uh, is going to be our... Uh, New defensive back that uh, he's, he's looking very good on the practice field. Um, so, hootie who, hootie who, hootie who. I mean, in fairness, he's 14, so that's why he's looking good on the practice field. <laughs> I would also point out that you guys are in talks with Shane Falco, from what I hear. <laughs> well, no, no, actually, actually um, that is, I want to go ahead and go on record that is, that is false. Uh, we, we do have a coaching, uh, we do have a filler for, um, see if Bud Kilmer could be found. And, um, we have, we have signed Charlie Tweeter and, um, Mox and Lance Harbor is our new offense coordinator. We're going to run the oop-de-oop and, you know, sometimes you just, just if y'all can keep this between us, 
the icebox has been at the facility. She's been working out. You know, Featherstone has has been working on. He doesn't have. They they've outlawed the stick him for his hands though, which may cause a problem. But you know, I'm I'm presently regretting my decision to. <laughs> so, so, but our, de- our defense, our defense, our defense looking good. We do have Vladimir, and Mac has has had a reconstructive surgery. He's back, <laughs> and just so you know, Bustier, yes. He has dedicated this season to his good friend that's laid up in the hospital due to a car wreck. And he said, once a Titan, always a Titan. But, but, but Jason, I will have to just interject real quick. Uh, I've been hearing talks from my agent. Look, I'm willing to come down and return kicks when I'm not up in the booth announcing games. <laughs> but seriously, bro. You, you gotta bring. You gotta show me the money right now. I mean, really? The, the, no, no. I, I'm leaving that to him. But I'm just going out there. Just, just saying. Just saying. I believe Eric's agent's name is Jerry Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> Jer- Jerry, right. I mean, look, he had me at hello. Come on now. <laughs> All right. And and, I, and also, you guys have to admit, Kane is able. Just remember, Payne is able. Brandon, your thoughts on the Giants' performance? Um, like we talked about before with uh, with how defense is uh, lacking in the NFL because of how fans think of it, uh, the Giants need to start thinking like a, an NFL team and not focused on the fans so much. It's shocking for me to say this because normally this is the other team in the New York area that's doing this, but the lines have to get better. Yeah, well, that New York other New York team has a win right now. So. Yeah, I know. And they're look, looking like they're on their way to picking up a second. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Ugh. All right. Uh, Eric, let's start Hurricanes. Personally, this is another case of we're doing our job. We swept into Ohio, did not make it close. We grounded the Rockets, just like we're supposed to. Now, again, while I am impressed stat-wise with Malik Rozier, accuracy, I feel, is still going to be the thing that bites us in ACC play. I'm comfortable. We're doing as we're expected, but I'm still not overly impressed. I've got to wait until we start playing conference games to see whether or not we can keep up what we did last season, or are we going to crumble again and find ourselves right outside of the top 25? I think the one thing that all four of us on this panel can agree is screw Tom Brady. And that is exactly what the Jaguars did on Sunday when they beat the Patriots. How proud were you to see your team on a nationally televised game take down Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and the Patriot nation? Factoid. My first NFL game was seeing the very Patriots and seeing Tom Brady. 
and watching a heartbreaking loss. Second factoid, Tom Brady is now 11-10 in his career in the state of Florida. That being said, I was going insane. When I saw a score, then again, then again, and take at one point a 24-3 lead, I was like, wait, no, this, no, we don't do this. This normally does not happen. And the fact that even though we had some bumps in the road, Fournette's injury, yes, unfortunately, we lost Cam Robinson for the year 20 CL. I think that's going to be a bit of a problem as the season progresses. I'm ecstatic to know that we can pull off these kinds of wins and get revenge on a more regular basis. Am I upping my expectations as far as how I see the Jaguars? No, because I've been down here way too long and I've seen way too many belly flops into the kiddie pools full of mayo to know better. But I will say this, being part of the typical overreaction, there is hope. There are things to where if this keeps up, certain things convalesce. You're going to hear a lot of cheers and beer swilling from very proud Jaguars fans if this keeps up. All right, so we touched on the Vontae Davis thing earlier. So overall, I just want to talk about the team's effort against the Chargers from Los Angeles, not San Diego. Even though every time I say the Chargers, I want to say San Diego. For a team that was down 24 to 6 at halftime, they actually showed tremendous fight in making this a game in the second half. Getting to within two possessions and actually even closer than that once they were driving down the field before they were uh, before they turned the ball over on downs. Things are not good in Buffalo right now, and I'll be the first person to admit it. There's a dumpster fire with a roster. There's a dumpster fire in our front office. And for everything that Sean McDermott did right last season, it's all going terribly wrong this season. This is not a 500 team. I have accepted that. I have made my peace with that. At this point, I just hope that this isn't actually the worst team in the NFL because right now they're certainly playing that way, having allowed an NFL leading 78 points through two games. Speaking of offense... Let's talk my college teams, shall we? Let's talk about the Florida Gators and the Penn State Nittany Lions. Granted, Colorado State and Kent State were the opponents, but my team scored a combined 111 points on Saturday. There were two very fun games to watch from a fan perspective, but not very interesting games to watch from a football fan perspective. I hope that things continue to rebound, especially in Gainesville, even though technically we're up in old, good old Rocky Top for this Saturday night's game. Because I do feel like if we can get everything together that we were missing in the game against Kentucky, we can still be a threat in the SEC East. As for Penn State, with them having Urban Meyer back and looking as impressive as they did in the three games that Meyer was suspended... It all comes down to October 6th in Happy Valley. The whiteout game is real for Penn State, and they're going to need every one of that student body there to help them do what they did two years ago and stun the Buckeyes. 
Can they do it again? Absolutely. Will we? We'll have to see what happens. I I mean, and I'm going to address this in our next segment. If the Big Ten is really looking for a necessary statement game, that's going to have to be the one. Have to. What was the last thing you heard before my wife? With apologies due to my Wi-Fi, man, this show is cursed tonight. Hey, Jason. What? Get it together. No. (laughs) Well, do it anyway. No, I'm not doing it. What am I getting together? (laughs) You've been on this show for six months. You figure it out. I can't get it together. Hold on. Let me ask the chair. Hey, chair, do you know what they're talking about? The chair doesn't know. The chair doesn't know. They're killing me, man. Can we please just move the show? <laughs> My head hurts. Do you want me to go? Somebody go at this rate. My my get it together uh, this week is the is the Giants. I already talked about it uh, before with uh, take one for the homers. So yeah, my, that's my all. get it together. My get get it together is going to be the Heisman Trophy voters, which I complained about. But and I, no, let's let's change that. My get it together is for Mister Harry Browers. You want to know why? Because it's my home's time. I was told to say that. <laughs> is he paying you by the reference? Is, are, are, are you on the I, payroll? I, I think so. Well, if he's doing that, then I, I, am, I am not, at this point in time, I am not allowed to disclose that information. Yeah, because the last time I saw somebody this much on someone's jock, it was him on Alex Smith's last season, and we all saw how that ended. <laughs> Eric, honestly, my get it together is going to be the Big Ten. Look, I've already just about counted the Pac-12 out of the college football playoff. I had a little bit of hopes for you as a conference. And then what do you do? You have a week where seven of your teams lose to unranked opponents. Seriously? I, you can't be a legit conference if even your bottom feeders are losing to teams like Temple. And God only knows, Rutgers is a semblance of a football team. They were playing like it was the Fields of 25 back in 1869. Oh, for Christ's sake, for all 14 of your teams, get it together. <laughs> Not only did they lose to Temple, Maryland lose to Temple, Maryland lost to a Temple team that had been beaten by FCS Villanova earlier in the season. Let's not forget Rutgers losing to Kansas. Yeah, Villanova's actually been quite competitive against Temple the past few years. So 
I have to take that with more of a grain of salt. Okay, for the record, Rutgers didn't lose to Kansas. Rutgers got their ass kicked by oh, Kansas. I, I was yeah, being nice. They lost to Nickel State. <laughs> Rock Chalk Jayhawk Football Edition. <laughs> My get it together is going to be Jameis Winston. Congratulations, buddy. You just played yourself out of a job, possibly permanently. Because you can't keep it in your pants or your hands to yourself. That's That was going to be my point on this. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, do you think that he faces a, a lengthy league suspension on top of things with, in light of what accusations have came out? I thought he was on I a think- suspension already. He's on a current three game, but apparently further accusations have come out against him. Oh, yeah, with the with the Uber driver that stated that she got molested Donald, by him, or she got Donald Trump. He grabbed her by the well. You know the next word. Okay, then he grabbed a fish taco. <laughs> At least why he didn't steal Why it. the hell do I want fish tacos now? <laughs> <laughs> can't believe my I can't believe my my solid joke there just got no sold. I'm a little disappointed. We're no selling group of people. Mm-hmm. We are. Absolutely. Um Eric, is there any chance that Jameis Winston plays another down for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I want to say yes at some point of the season because while <laughs> The Fitz magic has led to him being the first ever quarterback to start a season with two 400-yard, four-touchdown performances. You've seen this in Buffalo. Jets fans have seen this. It's not going to last forever, but they are going to enjoy it while they can. I think if and when Fitzpatrick, the magic, is gone, and he's back to the Jets' Ryan Fitzpatrick that has cable, hey, the door will be open. So, I don't know, maybe closer to the end of the season? Because, again, the organization is committed to him. I don't know how long that commitment is going to be after these accusations, but for right now it is. Yeah, unless unless the accusations become very serious and, you know, there's more proof in everything, and th- he's looking at, you know, a very lengthy suspension and some issues with the league. Um, they're going to keep him on. He's still their guy, but they're going to ride the hot hand in Fitzpatrick until that hot hand starts to simmer down. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he does play another, another down for Tampa Bay on their practice squad or scout team. I don't think they'd go that far. And and no. if they did, I think there would be a team that would be willing to pick him up. So because don't is once you put him on the practice squad, isn't he free game? He could be acquired. I think it's like a I think it's like a waiver situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I no, think no, someone else would pick him up. I find him up in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again. Yeah, I want well, oh wait, no, uh, I Winston want, there, man. I I want no part of his circus up in Buffalo. The same way we talked about last year with uh, Colin Kaepernick. I want no part of Kaepernick service up in Buffalo. I I agree, but if you had a more functional organization, 
I wouldn't even broach that subject. But unfortunately, it's Buffalo. <laughs> <sighs> Are you serious, Eric? <laughs> no, With- I'm. I'm- I'm seriously asking, are you serious? College edition. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. In college, I'm thrilled, yet I'm a little disappointed because, A, there are only a handful of lines. But personally, looking through, this is going to be one that I'm going to hate myself for on a few different levels because... This is going against a bit of a belief that I've made on record here on the show. It's in the Big Ten. It's for really my only favorite coach in the Big Ten. And a guy that I have a bit of a soft spot for who's come into the Big Ten. Which, let's just say, in preparation of certain dalliances and shenanigans one fine Saturday a couple weeks ago, which, again, aside from technical difficulties, turned out quite awesome. Some of my best work yet, but I digress. I saw that performance with this new coach, and I'm thinking, I felt bad for the guy, losing to an old-school rival dating back to the days of the Big Eight, and I'm like, Man, he's got a tougher job than I think. Of course, the coach I refer to is Scott Frost. My favorite coach in the Big Ten is Jim Harbaugh. Now, yes, this line may seem shocking. All things considered, I understand. But I think this is one that's really going to be overestimated. Things aren't going to click quite as easily going into conference play, even with Shea Patterson. I still think back to that Notre Dame performance. This one, I feel, is going to be a win. But I think Vegas had a little bit number too high on this one. I think Nebraska covers against Michigan. What's the number? 18. No, they don't. I'm saying, and especially with a low total of only 50 and a half, it's possible. I'm saying no because this is a Nebraska team that just lost to Troy. Yeah, really. I, and I get that, but again, look at what happened for the Big Ten all around. It wasn't just them. I have to take that into account equally. So you're picking Nebraska plus 16.5 against Michigan. Well, the line I'm seeing is 18, but yes. No, no, not going to win, but I do have them covering. Okay. Jason, college football, are you serious? Uh, or am I serious? I am taking a little little school matchup that's in the Big 12. Uh, I'm taking Texas Tech over Oklahoma State. Straight up out? to win. Wow. That's ballsy. Go big or go home. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I I, I, I didn't go with my gut. The last time I had a feeling in my gut, I didn't go with it. And the Gators got chomped. Mm -hmm. This time, I'm going with the fat belly and I'm taking the Red Raiders over the Cowboys. 
not really that ballsy considering the Big 12. Plus, his line is actually smaller than mine. I just saw it 14 and a half. <laughs> Brandon? College. Are you well, serious? Well, I'm going with a line even smaller. But first off, um, not not to be a uh, braggart or anything, but I think you should now refer to me as Biscodamus, considering I am 2-0 in college, and college isn't even my strong suit. Beginner's luck. Just saying. Um, Harry, does this sound familiar? Kentucky goes in and beats a team that they sh- they shouldn't have. If it were possible for me to e-punch you right now, I would. <laughs> well, that's exactly where I'm going. Kentucky, at home, takes it to Mississippi State. You see, I think this is Dan. I think this is Mississippi State's first uh, first big test in the post Dan Mullen era. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Kentucky beat them, especially in Lexington. Mm-hmm. So I actually kind of like that pick. I was I was considering uh, Jason is going to hate me for this one, but I was considering uh, taking. Um, oh, who are they playing? Kansas State? Uh, yeah, I was considering taking Kansas State. Oh, hold on. Let me interrupt this. Baker Mayfield just caught a touchdown pass. Oh, wow. From himself? No. No, no they probably ender, ran the... It was the, an uh, end-around end quarterback option. E- Eagles-type play. It was the ah, Philly special. Yes. They just did the Philly special. Legit, that happened. So, that legit happened. Anyway, back to, uh, back to Are You Serious College Edition here. I'm going next. Uh, Jason, when you said you were in the Big 12, I got nervous. You should. Because I thought you were taking my pick for the week in the college football. TCU got blown out in the second half against Ohio State. They did not show up for that second half. You know who did show up last week? Texas. As they put an absolute beating on USC. TCU is a three-point favorite as a ranked team in Austin. This ends very badly for the Horned Frogs. Texas straight up. I I don't know. I'm on the fence about that one because, let's face it, USC is crap. I was... It's it's a number of wild ones. I was looking at it, but then I was like, wait a sec, this is Texas we're talking about who lost in the first week. Yeah, they lost to Maryland again. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any trust for Texas. Bonus prediction, K-State covers 16 against West Virginia. I don't, uh, I'll, I'll put a side bet on that. That doesn't happen. I, I could see that as well. I just I don't think K-State gets enough credit. They're a traditionally strong college football team. Mm-hmm. They've had their down years over the course of the last few years, including one where they lost to an FCS school. 
But with Bill Snyder now in an athletic director position with the school, I think that the up and up is starting once again in Manhattan. We move on to the National Football League, gentlemen. Eric. Oh, I mean, there was one that I will say tempted me, but it didn't tempt me enough because I looked at my watch and I realized, yeah, it's Mahomes' time. It did, it, no, no. Oh, but, I thought about that too. But. There is another one. Now, one team wins well, then gets on national TV, and it doesn't look too good. Another one wins very grittily, and then comes from behind and wins a little bit of an ugly one. Uh... Even with the time zones and everything, I don't know if it's going to be as much of a factor as I would think. Baltimore, yeah, you're on the up and up, but I got this weird feeling about Denver. Now, granted, they may not win, but five and a half. Oh, my God. Or is too big. Yours, too? You stole mine. Yeah, it was mine as well. Great minds. What's your pick? I had Denver minus Uh, plus five and a half against Baltimore. So I'm the Uh only. Oh, wait. Uh, I also have Denver over Baltimore. (laughs) (laughs) How did that happen? So the kickoff is in unanimous. The kickoff is in unanimous agreement that Baltimore better watch out giving Denver five and a half. You you do realize that this probably means that Baltimore is going to destroy them now. Yeah, and we'll all look like idiots. I would, I would fully agree on that. All right. Um, I had another one if you guys were interested, so I guess I can switch up if you want me to. Go for it. I stood by this team last week, and they got me the first victory of the season in Are You Serious? So I'm going to stick by them again. The defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles are laying six and a half to the Indianapolis Colts. After the performance by Philadelphia this past Sunday, I don't see it. The Colts at least cover and may win. I just don't trust Indy enough to see that. Jason, you want to throw out another option since all four of us kind of agreed? or um, Let me... Let me go back and look at my lines. I don't have them pulled up currently. I'm going to tell you how, Eric, can I tell you how little Vegas thinks of the Bills? How bad is it against the Bills? It is week three, I will remind you. Minnesota is giving Buffalo 16 and a half. Yeah, I saw that line. Believe it or not, I thought that uh, they were going easy on Buffalo, especially against Minnesota. <laughs> that's that's just not nice. Look, you made baby steps. You went from losing by 44 to losing by 21. That's got to count for something. You, you know it's interesting? You know uh, I know which one I want to go. Somebody has to win this game. I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb 
and I want I want pour one out for the homers and take the Giants over Houston. Technically, nobody has to win the game if patterns continue. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> I, I, I could see that, especially since the line is minus six. You know what's weird? Uh, Titans and Jaguars don't even have a line yet. Uh, I believe there's questioning as to one of the players, is one of the team's starting quarterback. I think Mariota's. Very, very, very true. Very true. Oh, God. That means we get to whoop Lane Cabert's ass? <laughs> I'm liking the sound of that. <laughs> Can I throw out an alternate option as well? I mean, I'm already on the record for my prediction with uh, Indianapolis covering six against Philly. But if I'm, if I'm the Rams, I'm careful laying seven to the Chargers. I yeah, think that's I saw be a good, that one too. That was. I think that's going to be a really good game. It, it's going to be a good one, but I kind of trust. For everybody that's saying about the Rams' offense and all their weapons. I can trust the Rams' defense to, at the very least, contain Phillip Rivers. I don't think seven. I don't see that as a bad number. Uh, Brandon, are you going to switch? Give us an alternative alternate pick since we all four agreed. Um. Hmm. And then Ooh. Eric, you throw out an extra one as well. Ooh, here's to. actually one, especially considering if you're if you're counting the the home team as getting three automatically. Uh, they have Chicago at minus five point five against uh, car- against uh, Arizona in Arizona. Um, yeah, I take Chicago to cover that. Arizona has looked awful this year. Eh, that is true. Um, but if you want to take Arizona plus five and a half, you can. I mean, look one more time. Because what I'm planning on doing is I'm going to mark us all down for the Denver-Baltimore game, but I'm going to give us each a second game when we go back and listen through right. for the RU series. So that way we can at least have some kind of variety here. I got Indianapolis. Jason's taking the Giants. I'll, I'll, Eric- I'll, I'll take uh, Arizona then. All right, uh, Eric. I need a second pick from you. Do you want to go with the? Uh, do you want to go with the one you originally thought about with Kansas City? Absolutely, because as much as it is Mahomes' time, especially on offense, that defense has had times where it looks mighty shaky, and I think Jimmy G is going to work out a lot of the kinks. So yeah, I'll take San Francisco plus six and a half. All right, sounds good to me, gentlemen. I think that'll officially wrap this up for this week. Do we have any plugs that we need to get to? Eric, I know you got a show coming up here as soon as the Thursday night football game is over. Especially hope to God that it doesn't end in a tie. Because, yes, with the triumphant return of awesome producer Sean Garmer, football to the max, we'll be back. Hang got shit. <laughs> uh, it would ha- be nice. It would it would be nice of him to show up for a show. <laughs> <laughs> well, ha- I mean, I'm- he has got to do something sometime. I mean, it, it's bad enough that I'm also counting on him to finalize everything for the sound effects, so I could have a triumphant Saturday night return of point of viewer. Which 
yeah, there might be some extra wrinkles over the next month or two if everything sorts out. <sighs> oh, God. I've got a shopping trip to make. <laughs> Jason, anything you'd like to plug here? No, I ain't got shit. <laughs> but I would like to say this episode has been brought to you by... Oh, God. Don't, do don't, don't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> Apparently, this in there. We'll be right Jason... back. Apparently, this episode for Jason has been brought to you by MMA to the max. <laughs> this he, episode he has been around. brought to you by Mahomes Tom. <laughs> this Brandon. episode has been brought to you by Robert Taylor from MMA <laughs> to the Max. Brandon? Uh, you and I have SmackDown Live. Um, no 205 Live on Tuesdays anymore because they moved it. Um, and we've got a big catch-up to do for NXT and May Young tomorrow. We may do 205 Live as well. We're not yes. sure. We haven't decided. We'll, we'll figure that out. If you guys are into the wrestling side of things, then check out the catch-up for the last three episodes of NXT and the May Young Classic. And again, we will probably try to get last night's episode of 205 Live in as well. The fridges might be opening tonight, gentlemen, although the Jets Got are it. driving. Although the Jets are driving. They're in the for red Jason zone. T for Jason Teasley, Eric Watkins, and Brandon Biscabing, I'm Harry Broadhurst thanking you for listening to the kickoff here on the W2M Network, available online at W2Mnet.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox. Hey, Brandon, guess what? Spotify is here. And Glacier's a dick. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.